welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest on the podcast is the brilliant Steph Lowe, who is also known as the natural nutritionist. She's a clinical nutritionist, she's an author, and she's a fellow podcaster. And I'm so excited to dive into her incredible career. She's done some amazing things along the way, which we'll hear all about tonight. Um, So thank you so much for joining me, Steph. I'm really excited to chat to you. Thanks for having me. So am I. Absolute pleasure. Let's dive in and talk a little bit about what first sparked your interest about the health and nutrition industry. Yeah, this story is, it's quite a long one, but I'll sort of summarize for the benefit of you know the key points. But it did start um, a long time ago in my teens, um, back when I was reading Girlfriend and Dolly magazines. I'm kind of hinting at my age here, but um, my sister. And- <laughs> yeah, did you? Okay, that's yeah. good. That's good. Um, my sister and I, I've got a twin sister, so obviously same age and, you know, spending 24 seven together, we just developed this interest in um, collecting, like cutting out articles. Long story short, it quickly became like all the health and fitness articles in those magazines. And that sort of then morphed into this diet culture of me wanting to lose weight. And back then it was all about extreme calorie counting and extreme low fat diet. So of course that's what I did. You know, didn't eat with my parents anymore. Started making all of my own food, cutting out all of the fat and I lost quite a lot of weight. My mother was naturally quite worried. So she took me to a dietitian and I can still visualize it to this day, sitting in the office, chatting to this lady and thinking to myself, what a cool job. She gets to sit here and talk about food. And that was the spark, but nothing really happened until many years later, I um, first trained as an exercise physiologist. And that was what my undergrad was, is. And I was working in, you know, gyms and doing Pilates and, you know, in that real fitness space. But what I noticed was this distinct lack of knowledge about food. You know, everyone was into their exercise, but they were trying to out-train a bad diet, which we all know is impossible to do. And for me, I was, you know, so inspired by um, not only, I guess, the people that I met, but another component of my story was that around that time I was also... Um, having a lot of mood issues. I was never diagnosed, but I was definitely depressed. And looking back now, when you cut out all the building blocks of your hormones, it's not surprised that I had a few imbalances and a few issues, you know, mentally and emotionally. And I met someone who became a dear friend at the time who inspired me to try gluten-free. And at the time that was, this is 15 years ago. Nobody knew what gluten was. I certainly didn't. I wasn't a nutritionist at this point in time. There weren't any menus that were coded by GF. There weren't available products, you know, but I was pretty desperate to try something because I didn't want to go down the conventional medication route, which I was offered. Um, And that was the catalyst that really led me to the just eat real food mantra that I still teach today. So it was, you know, gluten-free to start with, but it quickly went into that world of real food, which we know can have an incredible healing power in context. I was like, right, I've got to figure out a way that I can spread this message and teach other people 
officially. So that's when I went back to study nutrition at a tertiary level. So back in 2009 and um, achieved my post-grad qualifications back then. So I could, yeah, teach that exact message that I had lived personally. Yeah, incredible. And when you were studying, did you have any idea what you wanted to do when you were out in the world? I knew that I wanted to teach nutrition, but I didn't really know how that was going to work because, again, back then, all I really knew what jobs were available were mostly those dietetic jobs, which are certainly in hospitals, and that never really inspired me with all due respect. Uh, I didn't really know what sort of capacity I'd be working in. And I can tell the story about the first role that I got out of university, but, yeah, I just... I wanted the qualifications. I didn't exactly have all that clarity when I was at university. Yeah. And I think that's a good point because often that clarity comes through the action and the experience. So it's great to get out there and find something and just see if it's your vibe or if you need to move on to something else. Yeah. The times are different now with social media and podcasts and, you know, just the internet in general. Like, again, I'm saying like a, a, you know, sounding very ancient, but it was in 2009. We can very, we can imagine how different it was then, right? So I think it is different for students these days, but equally, you don't have to have it all figured out, right? Of course, definitely not. It all comes with time. And so when was the natural nutritionist born? We officially launched in 2011. So in 2009, I was working as a nutritionist, but I had a role where it was a a contractor role um, and it was inside a business that ran inside a gym. So I essentially had like a lot of clients came from the gym, but as as external clients as well. And um, I was in charge of running that internal program. But at the same time, I was building what we call TNN, the natural nutritionist. So I had a role that allowed me to, you know, earn some money and I was building my business on the side. And I gradually, you know, cut down shifts at that role while I built up clients at TNN. So I didn't sort of just jump into the deep end, but it still was quite overwhelming at the time to to make that transition to having your own business. But it was a fairly gradual process just naturally because, you know, we've all got to make a living as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So important. Need to be able to feed yourself too. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You want to help people, right? But you can't do it at the sacrifice of yourself. (laughs) Definitely not. So have you always been in clinical practice in those 11? 12 years since you graduated yeah yeah I have I love it and I don't do it full-time these days and obviously again we'll talk about you know what my role looks like but um I really I really love working one-on-one and um I think that's something that a lot of people need I love online programs I've got a few myself and I think that's all incredible but at the end of the day there's nothing like that one-on-one support and having someone to literally hold your hand through your journey and guide you and dispel myths and help educate you as well as, you know, you know, keep you accountable and things like that. Yeah. Nothing will ever be that personalized support. Mm, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to chat a little bit about the evolution of your business and then we'll chat about what it looks like today and all of the amazing things you're doing? Mm, Yeah. Good point. So when I first started, um, I rented a room at a yoga studio And so that's where I ran my business initially. So naturally that was more of my audience to start as well as obviously external clients, but I was doing a lot more with that, with that yoga company. So um, I guess that was my niche, so to speak. Um, But then my, I started to build my clientele and that was where I moved into sort of a, a capacity that allowed me to 
to leave my employed position or my contractor role that I had. And um, I was only doing consulting then in terms of my revenue stream. I had a, like a couple of eBooks that were developed over that time, but my sort of main revenue stream was from that one-on-one consulting. And that was wonderful because, you know, the other side to being a nutritionist is in, in at least in the decision that I've made around how I want to practice is I quickly learned that what I studied at university wasn't going to be enough. Again, with all due respect, that was an incredible platform but I needed to then have the time to, to keep training, to keep um, upskilling. And, you know, I do a lot of work these days with pathology. So blood testing, microbiome testing, hormonal testing and things like that. So I was, I've been doing training ever since. But in those early days when I had a bit more time, I think <laughs> I was certainly doing a lot more of that um, as well as growing my clientele base. Yeah. While we're chatting about um, that mm. extra learning, do you have any great resources for people to look into if they're also interested in learning some similar things? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's lots of different options. It depends on, um, it really depends on the, the specific degree and where um, they've trained. Because obviously colleges like Endeavour do a lot of that in the degrees, whereas, it, yeah, again, it depends. I, I trained with Deakin and we certainly didn't do any functional pathology. Um, in terms of a lot of the education that I did initially actually came through the companies that I had collaborated with. So we used to work with clinical labs, for example, and they are, are a company that run those functional tests and they have a great education stream. So I did a lot of work with them. I now um, still to this day collaborate with both Nutripath and Metagenics yeah. and they have incredible um, education and in terms of the microbiome space, which has been evolving rapidly and no more than in the last couple of years. We now work directly with Microba and Mm -hmm. their education for practitioners is also really good. Um, In terms of functional pathology, gosh, I've done done so much over the years. Um, There is one book that I will recommend as a resource. I'm sure you can pop in the show notes and it's called Your Blood Never Lies. You'll have to look up the author for me because I don't have his name right now, but Your Blood Never Lies is a a great book that I remember learning a lot from in the initial days. Yeah, that sounds so interesting. I'll definitely find the author and link that in the show notes for everyone to check out. Awesome. So you were telling us how you were evolving, um, learning some new things, doing that clinical practice as you built up your business. Mm. Um, What came next? When did you start adding in things like your recipe books, for example, and your programs and things? Yes. So the next step was moving my clinic to the woodshed. So I left the yoga studio that I was at and rented a room at the woodshed and met Sam Wood. And that is where I was then invited on board as the head nutritionist of 28 by Sam Wood. So that um, company was just starting out and Sam and I met at the woodshed. And um, when he like, change the back end structure, I came on board as the nutritionist. And so I was still predominantly consulting, but then like to clients to to in practice. And then I was also working at 28. So you know what that looks like, but it was probably a little bit different to when I was there. You know, it was certainly content like recipe development, articles, education, Facebook Live, um, you know, answering member questions. So quite a comprehensive role. Um, and that was recipe still, I should mention. There's like, oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's still some favorites from the very early days that they absolutely love. So I commend you on that. You did really well with those. 
Yeah, beautiful. That was fun. I had I had a good couple of years at 28. Um, at the same time, I was really still committed to working on the natural nutritioner. So that's when I self-published The Real Food Athlete because my, my niche had changed by then. Yeah. I myself was doing a lot of long course triathlon. And so I naturally started to work with endurance athletes, which is a really was a really fun um, time in my career. And yep. I self-published the book called The Real Food Athlete. And that was all to inspire athletes to step away from that dogmatic carbohydrate heavy sports gel fueled space that it still is to this day. Um, and I remember launching my book at the woodshed with Sam. So it was definitely the timelines all staying connected at this point in time. Yeah. And I was, yeah, like I said, I was working a lot with athletes. So I then also started to develop my online program, which is called LCHF Endurance. That stands for Lower Carb Healthy Fat Endurance. And it's targeted as people at people who are doing, you know, 5Ks and beyond all the way up to those that are doing Ironman, triathlon and ultra running. Um, and it's a group program that still runs online led by me, but, you know, mostly um, very much self-paced these days. Amazing. Such a good thing to have. Well, people want to do that and not everyone wants to have necessarily one-on-one support if they have a lot of education and and motivation and they don't necessarily need that accountability, which we see in the endurance space. They're often very self-motivated, but they still want the recipes and the macronutrients prescribed and the training program and the group support, even just to, you know, to have that sort of social interaction these days with the world being so virtual. Yeah, so true. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a beautiful program. I'm, I'm so grateful to have that to offer to, to those that need something like that. Yeah, incredible. And so you mentioned you wrote your first book in self-published. At what point did you and Sam collaborate on one of his books? Yeah, that came after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, still, again, timeline still tracking correctly so Sam was approached by a publisher to yeah to write his book and that's where yeah I was certainly involved in the recipe and the nutrition and the education side of things there yeah it's fantastic still a good seller is it yeah there you go. Yeah, I think we actually run out at the moment <laughs> mm. yeah that's amazing yeah <laughs> and so what came next well, that was when I, I really wanted to leverage that book, right? So yeah. I then, um, yeah, I then pitched my own book. And to be honest, looking back, like my number one bucket list item was to always get my own book deal. And when you self-publish is very different. It's a very different experience. And whilst I had some of that with Sam, it was still his book, which is, you know, amazing. But I wanted to really, you know, be a, a sort of an official or officially a published author, so to speak. So that's when I pitched Low Carb Healthy Fat Nutrition. And I published that with Hachette Australia a couple of years ago now. Amazing. And um, that was an amazing experience. And I do remember really taking the opportunity and the, just the time to sort of soak that in because it's really easy when you are quite goal orientated to like tick that off the list and, and just move on to the next goal. But yeah. I really was, I remember celebrating that moment. I was very early days pregnant with Grace. So that was, yeah, three, three or so years ago now. Yeah. And yeah, it was a really great experience and yeah, it still sells to this day. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. So amazing. And so in terms of the comparison of that self-publishing to the um, actually getting published, can you tell us a little bit about that? Like I'm sure there's a lot you could talk about, but just like in summary. Yes, definitely. Um, 
it depends on what kind of book deal you get, obviously, because there's lots of different, um, like that looks very different. We decided to shoot all of our own recipes for both scenarios because I wanted to own them and own the photography, which you don't if you publish with a publishing house. They own the copyright. Yeah. Okay. But the difference in terms of the support that you have, so when you have a, a, a deal, essentially you send the Word document and the images and they do everything else, like all of the beautiful design and the editing and the printing and the distribution. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas you essentially do all of that when you self-publish. So you've, it is, I mean, again, I'm sure these days as well, from what I've seen online, there's very different ways to do it. Yeah. But it's a, there's a lot more work that you do on your own when you self-publish naturally. Yeah. Um, and it is more of an investment financially. Yeah. Whereas when you have a deal, the financial investment is more from the publishers mm-hmm. and they definitely do more of the, um, I, what I said with like the design and distribution, like that, that end sort of, um, of the production line. Yeah. That would be so helpful. Like I'm sure it's just like, it's their zone of genius and not necessarily ours. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely. And that, that you can see that in the, in the, if you compare the two books, like you can definitely tell which one is self-published and which one isn't. And, you know, time goes on and there, there are things that I would do differently now, but um, yeah, it was an amazing experience and um, yeah, we were always incredible to work with. Yeah. Amazing. So would you say self-publishing is also a lot more expensive? It's more of an investment. It's more of an investment initially because essentially you buy all the books and then you make the money back. Yeah. Whereas when you get a deal, you actually get paid in advance. So you make money straight away. Yeah. And then, then you make money again when your books sell. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you definitely need to have the money initially. Although people, I've seen plenty of people do it with a pre-sale. So essentially they would have the money first before they do printing. Yeah. So you don't have to have the investment, but it just looks differently as to how the money arrives, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And good to know for anyone who is thinking about doing that. Mm. Oh, for sure. And you don't want it to be a limiting factor. And that's why I think a lot of people do that pre-sale. You see it even in, you know, children's clothing. If they want to release something in a special edition, they do a pre-sale so they know how many numbers to to order, right? So it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a great idea. Yeah, brilliant. And so continuing on with your timeline. Yes. Yeah, so where are we? So I released low-carb, healthy fat nutrition. I was at the woodshed. Um, we then, I was still with 28, so this is all happening at the same time. We then moved to Brighton, which I believe is where you still are now. Yeah. 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 And so I was there for another year and that's when I was sort of finishing things up with Sam Wood and moving into my own clinic space. So again, another dream of mine was to always have my own space. Um, I'm glad I did it when I did, because I wouldn't be doing it now, unfortunately, with the global atmosphere, but I ended up having a clinic in Sandringham for three years, which was great. And that was sort of when I started to bring on other practitioners. Um, I had sort of already started doing that when we were at Brighton and we could quickly outgrew that space as well. So that was another part of the, the shift. Yeah, that was Ellie, wasn't it? I've had an episode. Ellie? Yeah. Ellie McLean. Yeah. 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 So Ellie came on board. I've known Ellie since we both worked at Global Corporate Challenge, which was my one and only official corporate job. Yeah. Um, 
I've known Ali since then and then she retrained and came on board and still works with me to this day. So cool. And, yeah, we jumped into Sandringham and, like I said, we were there for three years and um, I've had a number of other practitioners work with me during that time. And then by this stage I was doing like two full days of consulting a week. Yep. I've always had the podcast, which is now called Health, Happiness and Humankind. Um, I've still got LCHF Endurance. I've got another online program, which is my two-week reset, my signature program, which a lot of clients like to start with while they say wait for their client, uh, their appointment with me. And it's still a great resource for those that literally just want to sort of jump into that world of real food and, and reset literally after Christmas, New Year's, long weekends, school holidays, whatever it might be. Yeah. <laughs> we all need that every now and then, right? For sure. <laughs> and um, what else was I saying? So, yeah, that was kind of what I was doing when I was in Melbourne and now I've more recently moved to Tasmania and things look very different. <laughs> yeah. So now your clinic is all online? Well, not all online. So we, we finished up at Sandringham um, last year, partly because of the global um, situation, mostly because I have actually moved to Launceston with my family. My husband's from here and we've now got two young babes and we really moved for family support and for a change in lifestyle. Um, But I knew I'd probably already be moving pretty much virtually anyway, being a a mama bear and juggling a few balls, shall we say. (laughs) We still have, we have a room in Hampton at Seed Chiropractic where Ellie does one day a week of face-to-face. She does a lot of virtual and has her own clinic in Torquay, but our business is predominantly virtual. You know, even people who live down the road who could do face-to-face now want to do virtual because they're very much used to it after what was 2020. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, which was good for me too because naturally when I, it was Feb last year, so Feb 2020, when we, my husband and I had decided we were going to move and I remember feeling really nervous about what this, like the clinic evolution was going to be, how we'd go, only offering virtual appointments with me and then the pandemic happened and I, it was a perfect test run. Yeah. <laughs> and so by the time it got to December when we could actually leave the state, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, my clients are all very much used to Zoom no one will know where I am. My background looks different, but other than that, they don't, it doesn't matter where I am, right? I could be across the other side of the world. <laughs> yeah, so true. Yeah, it almost worked out well in that sense. Like I wouldn't say it was, good. It was a good thing, but <laughs> it worked out well in the end for you. Yeah, well, uh, you know, for want of a better word, I am very grateful that I have the business that I have. And and that's been the, one of the big silver linings for me personally, although it's been really hard for others because, you know, not everyone's in the same boat, of course, with so many business having businesses having such a stop start, especially in, in Victoria last year. Yeah. And I've just been able to celebrate that I am purely virtual. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are wanting to do the same. You know, I've had a number of conversations this year with um whether it might be a health coach or a yoga teacher and everyone's looking for how they can get completely online because that's where we're at right now. And I think that the new grads would know that very well. Um, But wonderful that we do have that opportunity. Not all practitioners can. My husband's a chiropractor. You can't Skype or, you know, Zoom your chiro, can you? (laughs) But I can definitely do everything online. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're very lucky in that sense, aren't we? Yeah. It's amazing. 
Yeah, brilliant. And at what point did you start mentoring others? Because when we had Selene on, she told us all about your amazing mentorship and how much she's learned from you and even through working with you. Um, mm-hmm. So chat to us a little bit about that offering that you also have on top of everything else. We'll have to talk about how you juggle all this as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so how, how it initially started is when I brought practitioners on board. So I'm trying to think who my first was, if it was Ellie let's say it was for, for the point of the conversation and, and similar to me back when I started. So like I said earlier, I quickly learned that, you know, what I learned at uni wasn't enough. And so often when practitioners come to me to join the team, they're in a similar boat. So I don't, um, you know, I'm always really clear that I'm not here to teach them everything, but I definitely want to mentor them and point them in the right direction for where they're going to do their continuing education. Yeah. I'm not a, a micromanager and I'm certainly not a spoon feeder. I think that autonomous learning style is really important as a practitioner, yeah. but I'm always opening, always open to sharing my my resources and and um, as well as, you know, certainly investing the time in my staff to mentor them. So, yeah, it initially started uh, as sort of an in-house mentoring style arrangement with any of the practitioners that came on board and then sort of going way back in time, back literally in 2009, I had started writing what we used to call the TNN Academy. And so I had been writing content on and off the whole time and it was just this working document that was a work in progress the whole time I've had TNN. So it was sort of always a a pipe dream, but I just essentially not forgotten about it, but essentially sort of put it to the side while I was doing other things because you only got so many hours in a day, right? Yeah, of course. And then as my profile grew, and obviously I had a lot of, you know, new grads and nutritionists and health coaches aware of me as a result of just being around for longer than others, yep. um, there became a real need to offer, uh, I guess, a platform to share the knowledge that I had developed over the last sort of decade or more. Yeah. So it's more recent. It, it's been the last two years, but again, there's still amazing demand, which is why I'm about to launch my group mentoring program because I've only got so much time. Unfortunately, I can't take on, you know, 20 one-on-one mentoring students as much as I'd love to, but I've, got a, a, a two-month-old <laughs> I've got a new I've got a newborn essentially are they still called newborns at two months probably not but I've got a, a tiny human to look after and, and breastfeeding is a full-time job right <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I am launching a group mentoring program in September and that goes through till March where I'm taking 20 students through a six-month journey okay. um, so we can talk more about that as well but I'm very excited because it's about to launch very soon yeah so tell us a little bit about what's included in that and what people have to look forward to Absolutely. I'd love to. So like I said, it's a six month journey and I've designed the curriculum around essentially what I know is missing from the degrees that we've been discussing and certainly the conversations and the experiences that I've had with, you know, the interactions with people like Celine and Ellie and um, other students that I've mentioned, uh, mentored rather. So I have included a module about business basics because a lot of the questions I actually get asked are around how much do I charge? How do I create an online program? I don't know how to deal with Instagram. How do I get new clients? You know, lead generation strategies and things like that. So there's one module around business basics because we don't get taught that at uni and we should. And I'm not an expert, but I'm definitely able to share what I've learned over the last 10 plus years. Yeah, which would be a lot. So it would be such valuable information. 
Yeah. And all the students that I have mentored one-on-one, we've, we've started there because there's been that huge gap because we're not trained yeah. and it's not our zone of genius, as you said before. So um, every single one-on-one mentoring conversation I've had has had a pretty detailed conversation around that. It was so clear to me that it was needed. So I think, you know, module one is going to be really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'm going to cover consulting basics. So some degrees do this really well and others don't. Mine didn't. How do you sit in front of a human and run an initial consult? What do you do in a follow-up consultation? Like what sort of language do you use? What goals do you set? How do you map out a timeline and a treatment protocols? You know, there's a, that whole retention conversation as well. Like it's our job. We do need to make money to buy food, as we also said earlier. Yeah. So I feel like that's missing from a lot of people and the confidence to set up that sort of timeline with your client and rebook them. Yeah. That's really important as a strategy as well. Yeah, for sure. And then we dive into more of that real functional side of things. So module three is all about pathology. Yeah. So not at an advanced level, because not everyone needs that, but definitely like the basic biomarkers that I think are really important to screen our clients, you know, looking at things like vitamin D and zinc. If we just talk about in context of what's been going on globally, how can we help our client's immune system if we don't really know what their current status is? Mm, so true depending on your client's niche, you know, there'll be other biomarkers that you might like to test, but most people come to you with a symptom. And yes, if that is completely resolved by prescribing real food, amazing. You've done your job. But again, what I've learned over the last sort of decade or more is there are many people that need more than that. So that's why I think blood testing is so important because otherwise you don't really know the client. There's lots mm-hmm. of gaps. Yeah. And I think just getting that information gives you that full picture. And even if they didn't come to you to learn about their vitamin D, they very much want to know by the time you've explained why. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's all about creating optimal health, not just the absence of disease. And that's why as well, it's really important to speak to our clients about having that proactive approach to health unfortunately in countries like australia we're very reactive Mm. we sort of wait until someone has a vitamin d deficiency before we do anything about it whereas what we would do is know what the functional optimal reference range is Mm -hmm. and if it gets a little low will we do something about it before it drops into some kind of danger zone right yeah i love that so important yeah and then the next two modules are microbiome and hormone testing so again These are the tests that I run a lot in clinic because we know that all health starts in the gut. So we've got to understand whether someone has issues with their microbiome or not. And I don't do this test with everybody, but I either have clients presenting with obvious symptoms and we want to test, not guess, to work out what's going on. Or I've got clients who are essentially in that sort of biohacker space And they just want to know what their gut looks like. Even if it's incredible, they want to know that and then know what one percenters that one percenters they can do to optimize it and work on their longevity. Again, this proactive approach to health is what we're always driving as a nutritionist, or at least I would hope so. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And then hormone testing is I work with mostly females these days and my niche has now moved into preconception, pregnancy, postpartum. I do a lot of um, iron sort of testing and working with, you know, heavy periods and low iron levels and, you know, the just 
that space which we're told is sort of normal, put up with it, but really we can often almost always get to the bottom of things, find the root cause and and be symptom-free. So I would do tests for that to work out what the root cause is rather than put a Band-Aid on top, like give someone a Marina or just give them, you know, Multifor or, or Veragrad or something like that, <laughs> which I talk about a lot on Instagram of late, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. you got to like wake people up to, yeah, what's going on, I suppose. It's only when you have a conversation and everyone joins in do you realise how many people are going through the same thing. Like, you know, it might be, like I said earlier, I've got a twin, so I might be talking to her about her low iron. Yeah. And she, and she says to me, oh, you know, the doctor's given me a marina. Not given, but offered me a marina. I'm not going to take that. I'm like, great. And I'll talk about it online. And there's like a 100 other women who had the same conversation. And it's just yeah. like, right, we've got to do something about this. We've got to create change. Yeah, absolutely. Now you're doing great with that, spreading that awareness. Mm, thank you. And the last module is all about the case studies. So that's where I think we can run through those typical clinical presentations. And as I always say, you don't build a house from the roof. So we want to look at this client and create a plan to allow, you know, to achieve their health goals and look at creating optimal health and longevity. So the case studies are where we learn the most, I think, because our clients teach us the most. My clients have taught me the most over the years, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We do learn best from experience at the end of the day. And something like case studies is the closest thing to that personal experience. It's such a brilliant way to learn, especially from someone so knowledgeable like you. Thank you. Well, there are common presentations. And even if you get a client that's not identical, because of course no one is, there's still a lot of commonalities that we'd need to teach and at least sort of test as those baseline tests as well. Yeah. Amazing. And for anyone listening, if they are interested in checking this out and signing up, where's the best place to go? Mm. Yeah. So my mentoring lives over on stephlow.com and the specific URL is stephlow.com forward slash forward slash group hyphen mentoring. So it's under my group mentoring program and it starts in September. So I've only got four places left. So if anyone is interested or at least wanting to chat to me one-on-one to learn more or to see if they're the right fit. Um, You can also book a call with me, like a complimentary, just an introductory call, just to have a chat and ask some general questions. So I'll give you a link for that too. Um, But yes, time is ticking. So if you do want to join, I'd love (laughs) to hear from you, but please do um, decide in the next couple of weeks. (laughs) Yeah, snap those up. It sounds like such a brilliant mentoring program, though. I'm sure everyone going through that is going to learn so much and it's really going to set them up for success in their careers. So well done for creating something like that. Thank you. I'm so excited about it. Like it's just I've been building it still. I'm just always adding the finishing touches on it, but I've launched it within a program. So essentially the website is Basecamp, but you can set it up in there so that you're not having to use sort of social media to interact with everybody. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be this like online hub where we all not hang out, but essentially we can interact. Um, the There's Zoom meetings twice a month, so online calls with me and then all of our resources and communication and um, there's a campfire where we can all chat and, and ask questions. And, yeah, it's going to be an amazing six months together. Yeah, so cool. So we've chatted a little bit about the clinical side of your business, um, the mentoring side of your business, some of your online programs. Tell us more about your podcast. So you mentioned you've had that since the beginning. Um, How did that idea come around and how's it grown into what it is today? 
Yeah, thank you. So I started, oh my goodness, the podcast, yeah, pretty much initially as a way, I always wanted to give out a lot of information, right? So I knew I had the clinical side as I guess the revenue stream, but I wanted a way to reach more people. And podcasting was pretty sort of early days back then, but I knew it would be a great way to reach people because we could all see that's the way sort of consuming information was going, you know, the gone are the days of reading long articles, really. (laughs) But it was called The Real Food Real and it used to be hosted on The Wellness Couch. So The Wellness Couch is an incredible platform that acts as like the station Mm -hmm. and has all of the shows that sit underneath that. So I was with The Wellness Couch for many years and um, we mainly spoke about real food, but then over the years it became a lot broader than that because, you know, I have a personal interest in sort of yoga and um, that sort of mindset and meditation side of things. And then there's the whole, you know, the environment and that bigger picture than just ourselves so yes. I rebranded to Health, Happiness and Humankind and left the Wellness Couch to have my own platform. Yeah. Mainly just to control advertising and things like that. There was definitely no hard feelings. It was more just to separate things solely under my brand. Yeah. Yes, and that was about a year ago now. We're up to episode 340 in total, so that's 340 weeks essentially so work that out how many how many years that is incredible (laughs) yeah one episode a week since then yeah and these days I have a few regular guests so you'll often hear Ali and I talking about topics she's my regular guest yeah um I speak with Kirsty Wirth about the microbiome Damien Christoph about all things health and wellness Tom Cronin about meditation mindfulness David Harper about nutrition and food myths and then I have um, Cal Brock every now and then for a good old chat and lots of other guests that come on board to discuss their specific topics. Yeah. I, it's a lot of work, as you would know. Yeah. There are days where I think, will I keep the podcast going? <laughs> and I do because I love it. Don't get me wrong, but it is a lot of work on top of everything else. And yeah. I have a lot of not a lot, but I have, I have staff and contractors and people who can help me with certain things like Celine. She is incredible and, and helps me at the back end. But the podcast, again, as you would know, it's your voice. <laughs> and it's the one thing that you can't outsource. So you have to be able to allocate the time to that every week. And, yeah, I hope people appreciate it because it is an investment, but I love doing it and I'm grateful for all the guests and connections and friendships I've made from the interviews I've done over the years. Yeah. And that I get to be in everyone's ears every week. Because I'm not a I'm not an Instagram reels, I'm not a YouTube kind of girl. Yep. But I'm definitely a podcast and a content kind of girl. And I'm really grateful that I get to release an episode every week. Yeah, so amazing. Yeah, it's true what you say. It is a lot of work, but it is such like a passion project kind of thing, mm. isn't it? It's just it's so much fun. Like I completely agree when you said um the friendships you've formed and people you've met through it. It's honestly so worth it just for that, like the incredible relationships and the fun conversations that come from it. Isn't it? And some people are amazing. They just donate their time. Like you don't get paid to be a guest. Like mm-hmm. I once thought I'm in this group and it's, a, it's called We Are Podcast and I remember once I posted about like the rates and it's like you no one gets paid. Like obviously there's 
other ways it might work out from a promotion point of view, but it, but it is a labor of love, you know, as a being get being a guest, so that people want to volunteer if they volunteer for your show. It's amazing. Like so grateful yeah. that I've had such amazing guests over the years. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And how do you go about getting some of those more high profile guests? An email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, stats, stats help. Uh, yeah. the, I guess time at the crease and stats help. So we're, over, you know, I mean, gosh, there are so many podcasts that have like millions and millions of downloads and we are somewhere between one and two. So that, that's wow. small fish compared to many others. Oh, but I remember when we hit the one million, I definitely did a happy dance because that was a, a really lovely milestone to get to. Yeah. And we might be one, one, close to one and a half now. But, um, you know, again, that's just um, small compared to some, but it does help. But then, of course, I I think like that's still a huge number. Like (laughs) I'm sure that's still really up there in terms of podcasts. And, yeah, like think about that 1.5 million listens. That's a lot Mm. of listens, (laughs) which is incredible. incredible. So it can be so easy to look at the others who get like tens of millions and be like, oh, mine's still small, but yeah, you're doing mm. incredible. <laughs> it needs to be recognized. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That old comparison <laughs> artist. <laughs> what do they say? Comparison is a thief of joy. No, I'm very happy. And so it's, you know, some people will never respond to your email and that's okay. You, you kind of move on and others are really willing to, because they realize that you've got an audience that um, they can then reach. That's how yeah. it works these days. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I, I almost always say yes if I'm invited on a podcast too. Yes. I've, I've rarely said no. It's a beautiful opportunity to meet other people and, and reach others and hopefully help them with your message. Yeah, so true. I love that. Brilliant. So you think you will keep the podcast around? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah? Of course. <laughs> yeah. I just need to manage my time a bit better. <laughs> yeah. So mm. tell us a little bit about how you do currently manage your time so you've obviously got two beautiful daughters and a thriving business how do you balance all of that yes so I mean it's the team right so I have a practice manager Elise who is the backbone of the business so all of my clients interact directly with her she's in charge of the inbox and the booking system and the payment side of things she runs the blog she runs team meetings for me when I'm on mat leave she's like a jack of all trades and She's also an incredible food photographer. So all of my recent images in the last couple of years are hers and she's self-trained. I don't take the food photography. Like literally Elise is an absolute gun. Her her Instagram for her food photography is Captured Wellness. I actually follow her. I love her photos. Yeah. They're amazing. She's incredible, isn't she? Yeah, she really is. So I'm so lucky to have her. The day that she leaves me, I'll cry. Like I'll sob. (laughs) But um, so I've got her and then I have a couple of incredible practitioners at the moment. There's myself and two others, Ellie and Bianca, and um, they help with, you know, clients as well as obviously growing their own business, which I'm happy and just, you know, you know, grateful to be able to provide that to both of them. Yeah. Selene does back of house at the moment. She's doing mostly the podcast and she helps me with LCHF endurance. I've got Thea who runs eat by design, who's now looking after my sort of client notes and delivery of um, treatment protocols. I've got a a guy called Joseph who works on the podcast in terms of the audio and um, the tech side of things, which isn't so essentially there's a lot of people (laughs) who make this happen. And my husband's also pretty amazing. Um, 
he's looking after the babies so I can podcast with you at 8 o'clock at night and supports my goals. I have a nanny who's with my girls um, what will be three mornings a week when I'm back from mat leave in September. Yeah. So, you know, I love what I do and I'm absolutely like still in awe that I get to call this work every day and no more so than now in yeah. this day and age. Yeah. But it, it takes it takes a team. It yeah. does. Yeah. I don't ever forget that. Yeah, that's incredible. So great to have that beautiful support network there helping you. Yeah, I am. I'm very lucky. And I think it when you have children as well, mm-hmm. watching sort of the evolution since Grace was born in 2019, like yeah. you absolutely have to have a partner that supports your goals. Like I, I think if the mother wants to stay at home, incredible, because raising children is the most important, like raising your children is your most important job at that time. Yeah. I knew I never wanted to be a complete stay-at-home mum, but equally right now I love that I can do both. It's a yeah. massive juggle but I know that I won't look back and regret not seeing my bays when they're young. Yeah. But I also know that I need to be working so that Ian supports that balance of things. is really important to me. Yeah. Amazing. And so when you're not on maternity leave, what would a typical week look like for you if there is such a thing? Well, I know what it's going to look like for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you what it might look like when I'm back in September. Yeah. Um, so Monday mornings I've allocated to either podcasting staff meetings or calls with new mentoring students yeah and then the afternoons I'll be with the girls mm-hmm. beautiful Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday I'm going to be consulting from nine till two yeah the afternoons I'm going to be with the girls so if they nap for a couple of hours at the same time I'll be doing admin yeah. <laughs> if the stars align and they both sleep for two hours at the same time but um, that doesn't always happen um So sometimes I actually might be jumping back on to see a couple of evening clients. Like I know that in September I might be doing like a 6.30 till 8.30 when um, the babes are asleep and and Ian's home from work. But I'm I'm not jumping back into full-time work because Rose is only going to be three months old. So it is looking, you know, like a sort of a half-half mat leave. (laughs) Um, Fridays I'm going to be with both girls. So they'll just be work around their nap times at this point in time and then Ian and I've been talking about what the weekends look like if I end up doing a little bit of podcasting on a Saturday afternoon or if I just allocate that to family time but it will evolve as Rose gets older and then naturally when I stop nursing whether that's when she's one or not things will look different again but I just feel so lucky to be able to be at home while I'm still nursing and have her around because it just simplifies things and that's really important to me to be able to do that and not have to express 24 seven like some mums do hats off to those that do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty impressive and yeah I don't even know how you balance all of those things but you're still doing an incredible job and yeah I'm sure we'll continue to see such brilliant things coming from you thank you I do like the juggle like I said but it's pretty constant especially with a toddler <laughs> and a newborn that's been a whirlwind over the last couple of months but yeah. I feel like we're finding our feet now like I went for my first run this morning and that was a sort of a, quite a moment like not that I haven't been exercising but it's all just been like at home and low intensity and you know a lot less than I'm used to but we're finding our feet and that's exciting it's like the new chapter the next chapter yeah incredible so what would you say that you do attribute your success to to date? I would say it's a love of the power of real food. Like I'm just so passionate about more people figuring that out rather than ending up on the in the polypharmacy when they're in their 60s and 
beyond because yeah. I'm going to be a hundred with no medications. And I know that's possible, but <laughs> you know, our generation are fine. Yeah. I think now largely probably speaking to the choir here, but certainly there are too many people that fall into that trap when a lot of things could have been avoided if they had the knowledge that, that we do this in this day and age. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what are some skills that you would say have been really helpful on your journey and you think are important for other people who want to do similar things to what you're doing? I think a lot of it is putting yourself out there. Like I remember when I first started my Facebook page, I was basically speaking to my mum and my sister and they were the ones like liking and commenting. Like you don't, you don't, not many people, I don't know anyone that's an overnight success and some people's trajectory is faster than others, but that's irrelevant. You just have to start. Like you have to, if this is what you want to do, you have to have Instagram and maybe not Facebook, but you have to have some kind of online presence. You need a website, you need a blog, getting on other podcasts is a good idea. Like you just have to start somewhere. All yeah. of us, you know, have doubts and imposter syndrome and, you know, like you know areas that we sort of feel like we have to do that we might not have skill sets for yeah but if if you know you just start somewhere and and keep chipping away it grows doesn't it yeah absolutely brilliant well I reckon I could ask you another hour's worth of questions (laughs) but I am aware of the time of night that it currently is so is there anything that we haven't touched on that you do want to mention or any parting words of advice or wisdom for the listeners I just think I want to make myself available for those that want to know more or if I can help them, you know, reach out to me either probably via email. That's easier than my DMs, which are just crazy. Um, <laughs> it's hello at the naturalnutritionist.com.au. And I'm always happy to point someone in the right direction. Like there's been a number of people that have jumped on a call with me to learn more about my group mentoring program. And I've sent them to a different program because it, that's what they needed at this point in time, you know. So I'm definitely happy to field those questions. Um, and I'd like to think I'm approachable to, to new grads and, and those that are sort of wanting to learn more from, from my experience in the industry. So please do keep in touch or come and say hi if you haven't already. Yeah, amazing. And where are some of the links of places people can find you, links and handles? For sure. So my main online home is the naturalnutritionist.com.au. Yeah. And then I'd say Instagram is where I hang out the most, but please don't send me too many DMs because I'm <laughs> unable to get back to everyone at the moment, although I do try very hard. Mm-hmm. The Natural Nutritionist on Instagram. Yep. And then mentoring is all over on stephlow.com. And the podcast is Health, Happiness and Humankind. We are on Spotify and iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Yeah, incredible. And I'll pop a link to all of those in the show notes. So it's nice and easy for everyone listening to just click straight over and find you. But thank you so much for being here. This has honestly been such a brilliant conversation. And like I said, I could probably spend like a really long time just continuing to dive into all of the incredible things you've done. But this has been a brilliant insight. And thank you so much for sharing this experience and advice with us. I'm sure the listeners are just as grateful as I am right now. Thank you. You're an incredible interviewer. I had such a great time and I'm always available for a part two if you need yeah, me. Yeah, I was so just thinking that. That. <laughs> I was like, Maybe some Q&As? <laughs> yeah, true. Let's do a Q&A. I love a Q&A. Yeah, yeah, we'll throw out some questions, see what everyone wants answered and, yeah, we'll get you back for sure. That would be amazing. Amazing, amazing. Thank you again. Thanks for having Thank me. You. My pleasure. 
I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality. Thank you.